0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast that has got one over Rangers as we have just made it to 55. Yes, we are on episode 55 of the podcast, not dedicated to Rangers, but of course to Heart of Midlothian with me, Laurie Dunsire, delighted to be joined once again by Mark Donaldson. My final
1: Around the Funnel. Ever, <laughs> comma,
0: my final
1: <laughs> around the funnel as only a citizen of the United oh, Kingdom.
0: okay, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: What? What? To citizenship ceremony tomorrow morning, um. And I thought, yeah, fine, eight thirty in in Hartford. Become a dual citizen. Very good. It's been something that I strive to do since we got here. Uh, it's quite benefits, but that's for another day. So I was speaking to Shaka love today. We were working together doing the ESPN FC hit. So I said to him, how long did your ceremony take? And he's like, oh, it was between two and a half hours and three hours. I'm like, wait, what? What now? Uh, I'm doing Turkey-Iceland on ESPN2 tomorrow at 11.50. I said, like, <laughs> it can't take between two and a half and three. Because I'll not mind that. Oh, oh, well, I'm minded. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so now I've been Googling how long the normal naturalization ceremonies take. I've had to say to the wife, look, I was going to come back with you and then go to work now we're gonna to have to take two cars and whatever and get a car seat yes yeah, here's me thinking it's like hey hello i pledge allegiance here's your certificate smile bye we'll see you later enjoy turkey iceland uh
0: clearly not oh dear oh well i'll um in, in celebration i'll i'll open a hey. open a can of uh, blue moon a bit
1: of a... i don't mind Moon. Yeah. i have martinelli's um 100% apple juice
0: Ah, which is i very very refreshing I have blue moon with a an orange a slice of orange and with it I,
1: and I think I think your beer and my apple juice which might be something stronger later I think <laughs> um they both glasses can be raised to a performance on Saturday that made me enjoy watching hearts again and by God it's been a while since I said <laughs> I was able to enjoy again look we have oh oh god you had defensive issues let's not go there We're, we when when teams aren't well, I I know, I know, but when teams aren't doing well, it's very difficult to, to find a positive um from a situation. But <laughs> normally when hearts are playing and it's been dull, my uh, the game's on, but my attention usually goes towards a Premier League game or whatever that's on. That had my full attention at the weekend. And I enjoyed most of it. Yes. And that, that, that's something that we haven't said for too
0: long. Indeed. And we will talk about Heart of Midlothian against St Mirren, a game which, you know, for for all the, the flaws within it, was very entertaining and very watchable and, of course, gave us a, a welcome home victory in the league. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Um, we're going to introduce a, a new segment to the show, which is Maroon Memories, and we're going to look back at a game from the past. This section could be... A game from the past, it could be a player from the past, it could be a season from the past. We don't know how it will go exactly, but um, we're going to pick something which is kind of relevant uh, from the past. And uh, we're going to talk about your favourite non-football sporting events. The question we put out a few weeks ago before um, all the managerial uh, nonsense kicked off and grabbed our attention a bit more. So first up, Heart and Midlothian. Uh, on Saturday, just past, ended a 224-day wait for a home league win. After eight failed attempts since the 30th of March this year, uh, they finally, they finally did it. Um, and the first time, the was had scored five goals in a league game in over three years. So, my oh my, uh, long time coming. First up, we we'll have a look at the team. So there was five changes from the defeat to Rangers at Hamden. Um, out went Glenn Whelan, Sean Clare, Rio Meshino, Craig Whiten and Stephen McLean. So actually all of the front four, if you will, or front certainly the front three anyway, from the Betfred Cup semi-final were out. In came Clevide, DiCamona, Jamie Walker... Uh, Andy Irving, Uche and, Ikpiezu, and maybe most uh, key out of these, Stephen Naismith back in starting 11 for the first time in over two months. So, we were trying to figure out the Hearts team before the game, and um, I immediately and a few of us assumed, well, it's going to be a back three because you've got Di Camona, Bera, um and Smith in there, and you've also got Hickey and White, so surely it's a back three with Hickey wide right. Um, white wide left, but there were whispers going around from certain people in the know that Hearts would be working with AD White as a an advanced left attacking player. And it kind of turned out that way. So, although, although it was fairly fluid, I mean, you can roughly look at it as a, certainly a back four anyway. Pereira goes Smith, DiCamona, Bera, Hickey from right to left. Um, Walker Irving, Bazanich, and certainly Uche was wide right. Stephen Naismith is a almost. I think someone called him a nine and a half um, in the in the press box. <laughs> and eighty White wide left. So uh, I guess first of all, looking at the team, um, certainly something that that took me and a few others by surprise. The way we set the team up in the end.
1: Yeah, uh, when I when I got the team through, I kind of thought if oh, Point playing Smith as centre back, De as a centre back, Bera's as a centre back. But, yeah, sl- slightly surprising. Um, it was good to see Mulraney back on, on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a wee bit surprised at, at A.D. White's position. But do you know what? We criticize when things aren't going right. We find fault in various things. And not we as in you and me, we as, as a society in general. We were asking for things to change. We were asking for something different. We got something different. And it was successful. Was it perfect? No. But it was enough. It was enough to entertain. It was enough to get three points. It was enough to score five goals. And we spoke last week about St Mirren and how many goals they had conceded this season. They had conceded 11 goals in 11 games. A goal a game. And we put five past them. Were they honking, especially in the second half? Yeah. Did we defend poorly at times? Yeah. But we won five 2 Something different was tried. So, amen to all of that.
0: And It was odd. It was a game that actually, you know, I actually... I felt we were going to win the game. Um lost every away game in the league. But they tended to not concede too many goals. I think they'd only scored two, though. And in Hearts, a lot of our problems were in front of goal. So kind of expected a Hearts win, but maybe nothing overly pretty and maybe a 1-0 or a 2-0. I certainly didn't expect us to score a heap of goals, submitting to score a couple. Um, but that's the way it panned out. I mean, obviously, we got up and running very you know, We started on the front foot and um, Stephen Naismith, I have to give credit to Andy Irving, when he, when he immediately hit the corner, I think I said, poor corner, because it, it kind of looks like he's maybe not got... The proper purchase on it, but it looked like it was after obviously the, the move transpires. It looks like it's one that they've worked because Naismith makes the run to the near post and finishes well. And it was just, just typical of Stephen Naismith. You know, we saw him against Aberdeen when he made his return when he came off the bench in the opening day of the season. His first touch was a diving header into the back of the net and completely changed the game. And obviously, the game changed again when there was a red card later on for Hickey. But in that instance, it changed the course of the game and Hearts suddenly um, became the better team. And I just summed it up. I mean, you know, Christoph Baird is an experienced guy. You know, he's he's heart's through and through. He's in a second spell and he's certainly an organiser. But Stephen Naismith is the manager on the park. You could see it. And after his goal, after other goals, he's screaming at players. He's directing them. And um, I think I heard it was, I think it was on the terrace actually when they mentioned, you know, even if he's speaking shite, He's just there, keeping people um, just aware, keeping people on their game, just making sure that they're not, um, I guess, just not becoming complacent. Uh, and I think it's so yeah. important. You just, there just seems to be yeah. a different atmosphere around the players when he is there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> interesting you mentioned that because I wanted to get to Stephen Naismith. It's So good to have him back. He's the spine of our team, and you're spot on as well about Christoph being the leader, but 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 Naismith being the main man on the pitch. And when he's there, we, we get such a boost. A couple of things. One, I, I saw him talking to Andy Irvin um, about a couple of things during the game. And there was another one when he wasn't happy at a run that Uche had made. It kind of stopped. And he was coming in from the right hand side. And I thought that, that was interesting. I was listening. The boys in the BBC said it didn't work. It, it was okay. It was, it was something to try. Whether You can always tell if something's worked, by if it happens again. Um, if something obscure happens and you're like, oh, you know it's worked if, if the same thing is, is repeated mm-hmm. or they or someone's stubborn, it's like, I'm going to make, oh, Sean Clerk can start, says Craig Levine, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, by the way,
0: was he injured? Not, not from, from what, mm, I was,
1: telling, uh, what I was. Yeah, tell, that's telling. It's if he wasn't. That's telling if he wasn't. I wasn't made um, aware because,
0: of any injury. Um...
1: No, I, I, and the fact he wasn't even on the bench. If he wasn't injured, that's interesting. Everyone will draw their own conclusions from that. But but Naismith was was crucial. (laughs) This is probably only me. So we won 5-2 and I was was doing something um, just after the game had finished with a smile on my face because I enjoyed what I'd just seen. One of the first thoughts on the full-time whistle was thus. Craig Levine sitting somewhere... Watching that game, or, or 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 whatever, or listening to it, uh, and kind of banging his fist on a desk. Should have been me. Should have been me. I could have had Naismith back, and I could walked the place. And he probably didn't. But it's just maybe I would have done the same. Maybe you would have done the same. And and the kind of when you've lost your job and you, you, you're moaning that, as we all would, we didn't. I was doing it with one hand tied behind a back. We know that's not the case. But I, I had I had this kind of this vision of Craig Levine. Um, just battering a desk in those uh, in a kind of those pesky kids' mode saying that that should have been me if I'd had Naismith, if i 'd had Walker, it might have been me y- No, know it, it wouldn 't <laughs> have been because um they wouldn 't have been as attack minded and I think the goals were scored at good times i 'm a firm believer of of when you score goals is is, is crucial to get one just before half time uh with Bozanic. Uh, and I thought he played much better we had them yeah. on the scrap heap the week before and then straight after the the the, the half-time interval as well but it was one of these where we called for everyone to step up and be counted and there were very few that if any that didn't get past marks and i know it was only St Marin, but i want to be positive for a change
0: mm-hmm. yeah and there's a few things you know we're not going to dissect every single goal obviously um, Sip Mirren twice pegged Hearts back, uh, Bazanich, as you say get that crucial goal before the end of the first half. Um, a few things to go over though, so Jamie Walker, so he got that goal at the start of the second, which kind of I think killed the ka- ties of contest, it really took the edge of things and, and Mulraney was really just a kind of icing on the cake. But a few things to go through in terms of the game, so Ucek Piezu was played on the right, which was a rather, surprising, a rather surprising choice, but he was effective in many ways and I mean, looking at that in a bit more detail, you look at Callum Waters. Um, I, I thought he was a little bit naive throughout the game, and he kept having this move to step in and um, kind of try and go shoulder to shoulder with Uchi, which was just playing into his hands. And Uchi kept kind of dropping the shoulder, shrugging him off because he's obviously far more powerful than the, the 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 not overly tall, unknown Kelly fullback, and then getting space for himself. Um, so he, he but I did feel it's it's still part of the pro. Part of it, the problem here was that the effectiveness was often still the the size and the chaos factor of him. You know, he kept getting around people and nudging people off. I still thought his final ball was poor, so I'm not quite sure it would be an approach that would necessarily work on a on a constant basis. So that's his kind of maybe his newfound position.
1: I don't know. I don't know. It's, it wouldn't be my preferable position for him, but I think it's interesting and. and... I didn't accuse, but I I suggested that that, that maybe Austin McPhee um, tried tried to be too smart, tried to overcomplicate things in in the Rangers game um, by not just doing the whole bread and butter. And it it worked to an extent against Rangers first time. Why isn't it the second time? And as I was driving home today, I was listening to Tuesday night's BBC Sports Sound podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a bit of a decent argument, uh, good debate. Uh, Willie Miller came on the phone. It was about Austin McPhee, yep, uh, and and whether he should he should go on. But, but Derek Ferguson said said something uh, which was pretty much what I'd said last week about was he trying to be too smart? Was he trying to be too clever with tactics or or with his team selection? I think it was Derek's point uh, against Rangers. So it's clearly been been. Um, Noted and, and spotted by someone else. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe that was just what he what he believed. Ultimately, he got it right. Jury's you know, still out for me. I, I think what what he's doing, if he continues to get, I think this this uh, international break comes at a good time. What he's doing, if he wins again, I thought, what was it? Kilmarnock we have next. Is that mm-hmm. our, our next game yeah. away from home? Uh, it's a tough one against Rangers away, but a, a win or a good performance and a draw or whatever at, at Kilmarnock, it it just means. That we're in no hurry to to appoint. Don't get me wrong. If the right person's out there, I want that person employed uh, in, in case we lose them. But if, if if we're still, it buys us time. There's, there's no rush for this one. It's not like um, someone with with no ability whatsoever is in is in charge of of the team. Um, again, I'm I, like Alan Preston and like others on the BBC. I, I remain to be convinced by. Mm-hmm. It. I said I wanted a, a, a fresh broom, but if he keeps winning then he, he does himself no harm. Um, whether or not he's got his eye, given what Ann Budge said about um, experience and whether he's got his eye on the manager's job or he believes he's maybe got a better chance at the sporting director's role is an interesting one. Um, but the the, the performance, um, what it told me with the team selection was he's thought about this. Now, at times you can overthink He's thought about Uche going up against a smaller fullback. He's thought about maybe Uche, if he played through the middle, going up against a Kirk Broadfoot, experienced, um, kind of knows how to handle someone or, or should know how to handle. But by putting him up against a smaller fullback that no one expected, this is the kind of thing that, that Austin McPhee uh, over the years, and it was interesting listening to Michael O'Neill talking about him, he is is apparently exceptional at dossiers and and documents and info about the opposition. So put yourself in in the the position of of Jim Goodwin. Jim Goodwin, there is no danger ever he was expecting Uche to line up there. So credit to him for that. And again, this isn't a muckraking exercise. Um, There's there's plenty out there that that can do that. Um, We have the evidence in front of us. It's not going to get on the job. It may in the long term if he keeps winning it's not a bad start to his first
0: game at Town Castle. Yeah, I mean, the points I was looking at with Stephen Naismith, the difference he makes, a bit of talk about Uche's position, you know, the fact that Bozanic had a pretty decent game. Um, I, I will still mention the defence, because we are talking about a St Mirren team that generally struggle in front of goal, and they got two, and they could have got more. Um, now, you know, the first goal, I think, is maybe a bit of a poor line from Hearts um but the second goal especially now I'm a big fan of Christoph Bader uh, you know he's done a lot for for Hearts and he's an experienced defender but I have absolutely no idea what went through his head on that second goal uh, it completely took me by surprise because I, I was like did he think the keeper gave him a shout or I mean he's like what 40 yards plus away from goal it just seemed you know to start jumping and then sort of pull away from it 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 was just it was a bizarre goal uh, and i guess if you if we're going to you know look at the the positives and the, maybe the small amount of negatives defensively we 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 really cannot afford to to have moments like that in other games because we're probably playing the most um ineffective attacking team in the league um who got two against us we, we don't want to be like that even a way to come on. It's mm. certainly not when we when we play Rangers. Have you heard of Linus? Sorry? L
1: I N U. Have you heard of Linus? L-I-N-U-S. Linus was from the Peanuts cartoon in like, Snoopy. You know Linus? Or do you mm. not know Linus? Okay. Don't Li- know. Li- Linus had a security blanket. It's like like kids do. He used to suck his thumb and then on his left hand he'd hold a security blanket or a, a blanket just to keep him... Kind of chilled or relaxed. Michael Smith is Christoph Berra's blanket. He's he's Linus's blanket. Or Christoph's got two blankets. He's got either Michael Smith beside him, or he's got a back three. So he's got two others alongside him. DeCamona is not Linus's blanket. No. Could he be going forward? <laughs> Do you know what he might be? But I wouldn't want to find out.
0: I think at the moment you're looking at probably our two. And I I don't like. I mean, I don't know if Beres maybe, you know how he feels about it. You know, I don't know him personally, but you kind of I look at that as our two squad centre backs. If everyone's fit and we're playing two centre backs, because in fact, well, you know maybe even fourth and fifth choice because you've got Suter, you've got Halkett, you've got Smith as an option, and then De and Beres. I, I think at the moment, you know, not hard to separate the two because De doesn't play very often. Berra's got maybe slightly a slightly bigger, better pedigree, but just ever since his return from injury, he just never looked quite the same. So I think he's a good player to have around the squad, but I just I'd be very concerned going into a big game against a a, a very good attacking team with Dekomone and Berra as our two centre backs.
1: Because of of the commitment and what he's given Hearts and the way he's kind of held in a certain esteem for being our captain and, and whatever. This isn't some guy that, that had six, year with, six years with hearts between 03 and 09 and, and was just a kind of squad player and then returned in 2017. He might not get the benefit of the doubt if he was that type of person. But but now it's, it's hard to, whether it's criticism or, or whatever, um, because we all have our favourites. And for some, uh, they get they got a longer rope than, than others. With Christoph... And this is coming in. This is when the personal thing comes into it. You know him. I know him. Um, love him a bit. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, but I think it, it would be interesting if, if, he's, if he's sat down with his, with his pals just in private. I think he would probably admit I mean, he'd certainly admit he wasn't what he is. Uh, he, he isn't what he was, sorry. Um, it's tough. He's, he's 34 years old now. Um, he'll turn 35 in a couple of months. At the start, at the end of January, and he—he he is someone who I'd be—I'd be keeping at the club. But you're—you're you're right. For—for for me, um, he's the fourth best centre-back we've got, and I think our right-back is a better centre-back than Christoph right now. Uh, that means it's not a disservice. It's not um, having a go or or anything like that. It's just honesty. We want the best. He—he he wants the best for the football club as well. He would love to contribute, and hopefully he can. Um, but I don't want him contributing with, with Di Camona as, as his partner. And, and hopefully it won't be long before we've got Suter and, and Halkett back. And, and we have options. Um, yeah. but, but right now, it's it, it can be tough to watch.
0: And we saw him. I mean, I think uh, the draw against Rangers, I thought he was had a really good game. One of his best in recent He was excellent, yeah. And, so so I, he
1: can do it. Do we have to manage his time? His playing time, which which we can't do right now because
0: no. we don't have many other options. No, uh, yeah, and I mean it's not a, it's not necessarily a criticism of the selection of him because yeah we don't have many options and we had to put Michael Smith to back back to right back and obviously the two centre backs that we had available then were were Deakamona and Bera and, and we won the game in the end. But yeah, I think when he's alongside Smith, you're, it's, you're spot on about that. Against Rangers, you know, we talked about at the time you kind of had that really good partnership that they just worked together perfectly that the big centre-back who wins the balls in the air, let him attack the balls in the air, and let Michael Smith do the kind of sweeping up and the mopping and stepping out with the ball at his feet. So, yeah, um, positive all round. a big victory for Hearts. They needed that one, um, and it obviously puts them up a couple of places in the table, and regardless of what happens with the managerial situation, hopefully um, it at least starts to alleviate some of the pressures, because you don't want a new manager coming in and your rock bottom of the league. Um, anything else to go on with the Southampton game from the weekend? I don't think
1: so. I don't think so. I mean, there's there's plenty of other things we, we're able to talk about. Um, I liked Hickey back at left back. I think.
0: Yes. Yeah. I can't.
1: I can't remember who was it, Gary Mackay or or someone had had said like, if, if we're going to have him uh, progress uh, to where we want him to progress, just so he's worth a lot of money to us when we eventually sell him on. You're not going to get that if you play him at right-back one week and then have him covering when someone else goes off and Sean Clare goes to right-back and have him covering at centre-back. He's a left-back who can play right-back, but it should be a case of break in emergency only um, if he plays elsewhere. Just keep him at left-back and let him gain confidence from playing in a... His problem is he's he's decent at more than one position.
0: Keep him at left. And he's very two-footed as well, which um, is, Mm -hmm. is a good talent to have, but yeah. Maybe works in it against them in terms of having a a single position, okay, next up, this is our a new section, which may last may not we'll, we'll see what people think so this is maroon memories, and this week um we're going to look back to a game from about seven and a half years ago or so, and you'll find the reason soon because it's inspired by the result we just had at the weekend, so we're taking you back to January. 2012, Uh was top of the charts with good feeling uh, in the box office, uh, horror movie The Devil Inside was the, the big earner, uh, Alex Salmond had just announced uh, the independence referendum for Scotland would t- take place in two years time and at Time Castle on the 14th of January in the SPL as it was still at that point. Paulo Sergio took charge of Hearts for his 27th game as manager as the Jambos were at home to St Mirren and they won 5-2. Um, so have a look into this game itself. So um, Paulo Sergio went into the game. I, I suppose overall his record was Maybe slightly mixed at that point. 12 wins, 6 draws, 8 defeats to date. Hearts went into the game, sitting in 4th place in the SPL. 2 points behind 3rd place Motherwell. Level on points with St Johnston. Hibbs were toiling in 2nd bottom. That's where they'd end the season as well. Um, Of course, before a big cup final that we won't get into today. But I'm sure we will at some point. Um, They'd had a decent run of form as well, though. Hearts had won 4 and drawn 1 of the last 5 games. Including a 3-1 win at Easter Road. Uh, but the other three wins were at Tynecastle, and it was generally Paolo's away form that was maybe a bit of an issue, apart from against Hebsey, obviously. Um, the result, the end result of this game saw Hearts leapfrog Motherwell, who lost 3-0 at Ibrox, although the Steelmen did have two games in hand, and they would finish in third place at the end of the season. Um, so looking at the game, uh, Hearts were just off the back of that narrow 1-0 win against Auchinleck, and they made six changes to the side that defeated the... Uh, junior outfit. Uh, Danny Granger was out injured, which meant Darren Barr filled in an unfamiliar left-back role. Uh, Andy Driver and David Templeton were out injured, which meant Rudy Scatchell was, <laughs> on paper, dropped out to a wider role with Stephen Elliott and John Sutton in attack. So, we'll see what you think of this team, Mark. Uh, Kellow in goals, a back four of Hamill, Webster, Zalukas, who was the captain, and Barr, a midfield of Adrian Morović, uh, Scott Robinson, Ian Black and Rudy Scatchell, And up front, Stephen Elliott and John Sutton. Hmm. Rudy.
1: Rudy the key. 32 years old he was back then.
0: Yep. Robinson, just
1: 19, still playing in the the top flight now at Livingston. Uh, He obviously had, that was his 33rd appearance. He he was obviously one of the the youngest ever Hearts players. Decent side. Mroviac was an interesting one. I always thought he had something. He was—he wasn't just a big battling bruiser. Uh, he was all right. Darren Barr was a, was another one. I didn't mind that. And she, she, Jamie Hamill—he snarled his way through game. <laughs> I liked Jamie Hamill. I thought Martin Kell was a good goalkeeper. And, yep. And uh, and Big Zal along with Andy Webster—I think it was a steady. It was a solid so- team.
0: It was a solid team. It's funny. I mean, yeah. Paolo Sergio was—he uh, was trying to cheat. You know, it was a—it was a Jim Jeffries. Um, Team that was formed obviously before Jeffries lost his job and and Paolo took over, so it w- it was certainly not from the style that Paolo was trying to instil, which was um, maybe a more possession based, uh, easier on the eye some might say than Jim Jeffries, who can be direct and attacking, but you know he does go for that kind of strength and physicality. Um, so it was very much a Jim Jeffries team, but managed by Paolo Sergio, I felt. Uh, interestingly looking at Saints I'm not going to go into their team but they were managed by Danny Lennon at the time which meant Austin McPhee was of course their assistant uh, Paul McGowan in midfield and BBC's Stephen Thompson was leading the line and current Hibs fullback Jason Naismith was on the bench so get into the game because like um, the match we just witnessed at the weekend you know like any game of seven goals a lot happened um, less than 60 seconds in Ian Black clipped one of those corners in which he, he, he got really good at those sort of Um, outside the right boot clipped and just a diagonal, not any curl on it but right into the kind of 10 yard mark or so into the box and um, Big Zalyukas bulleted home the header Um, but the captain would go from hero to villain because after 12 minutes Zalyukas fouled Paul McGowan who was through 1-1, straight red card and penalty, of course with the rule changes it wouldn't have been a red card now but back then, correct decision Um, Paul McGowan steps up scores a penalty, 1-1 Interesting, Zalukas. So, you know, by that point, he's quite a popular character and his popularity will grow even more by um, May that year when he lifts the cup as Hearts captain. But the opening maybe 12 minutes is possibly a, a good summary of Zalukas. you know. Can do something great, go up, score a goal, but very capable of also the brain farts, as people often used to refer to them to, as giving away a penalty to the other side. He He was a character, you know, he sometimes looked like he thought he was Beckenbauer when he liked those runs up the other side of the park. And it was these runs where you're like, I don't know whether I should tell him I should be like covering my eyes in case he gets robbed of possession or getting excited, because sometimes they worked. But he was an interesting one. I'll, I'll put it that way.
1: Of all the Lithuanians we had at the football club, of which there were many, including pre-season games at Murrayfield when half the country seemed <laughs> to come on as a trialist, uh, including some that even... The PR department didn't know we're in the squad until he appeared on the pitch. Because doing commentary for that was interesting because sometimes you wondered if they just walked in off the street, put a jersey on, <laughs> and then suddenly were on the pitch. But of all the Lithuanians that Harps had, Zalyukas has got to be top three, if not top one, for probably the most successful that we had. I know Velichka was good, but if you, if you can tell me a more successful player, and just what he did and, and the impact he had, on the football club than, than Zaliukas. So I'll be intrigued to, to see if you could come up with one.
0: And and I guess his development as well, because you recall when he first came in and he was holding midfielder, yep. and he looked horrendous. He just looked an awful player, to be honest, to begin with. He looked like one of these that's going to be, you know, a Ben, or ben Useless, as, as he was fondly called. He just looked like one that would be like, nah, where's he come from? Why have we signed them? This is just, this is not going to work. But, you know, he he proved many wrong in terms of his ability to to actually perform. And, of course, he had his his flaws. I mean, you rarely get players playing in Scotland, especially outside of um, Celtic and Rangers, who don't have some flaws. But I I didn't rate him at all at first. But when he came into defence, even then, at first, he was very iffy at times. But he really did... Lead that team, and he even became, you know, him and Andy Webster that season. I thought were terrific at the bat together, and I often thought Webster was the key to that. But I think I remember, for instance, in the the League Cup final, the following season after that, it didn't look the same when it was Webster in the cup final, you know, without Zalukas. So he was a big part of that, and it was, you know, he is a Hearts legend really now, you know, a Hearts Cup winning captain who played in that game against Hibbs, of course, the you know now the now legendary game itself and he, and he was a big part of that cup run of scoring the big goal against St. Johnston as well to send us through so i think he has to go down as the best lithuanian in terms of success i mean mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of fondness for the likes of miko i think chesnawskis was a very talented player velichko's uh, an effective striker but in terms of overall success the captain hearts to a cup win in that manner as well i mean he's not just the most successful lithuanian but one of the most successful players as at hearts in recent years i think
1: yeah and it's funny how your bla- your well my brain always plays tricks on me because i'm getting to that age in life where i forget things um if you'd ask me who who did he play for after he left hearts i know it was only five six years ago <laughs> I, and, and i know he was only there for a year and i remember it now i wouldn't have be been able to tell you leeds united it's just one of these things that i know i remember it now um, but at the time, yeah, Legion, United obviously had to spell it at Rangers as well, but yeah, a, a good lad. And I don't know if he was the one who was responsible for integrating the rest of the Lithuanians into the, the, the kind of heart squad and the body of the squad. It wouldn't surprise me if he was, he was that he was an infectious character. He's not dead. He's still alive. He is an infectious. I'm sure he still is. Um, so he, he was a story from that game. The other thing I've been doing a little bit of, uh, of research on, um, I was going through the subs, unused subs. Mm-hmm. One of them, this was the last time he was ever pulling on a maroon jersey to sit on a bench. I say, I say the last time a maroon, it was, only, it was the last time he pulled on a hearts jersey because he went on to pull on the maroon of Arbroath in two spells. Colin Hamilton. Do you remember Anything. About Colin Hamilton, who was an unused sub for Hearts that day against St
0: Mirren. Was he Jack's brother? Ooh, that's a good shout. I think he—I I, th- I think he might have been. Um, purely because yes, he, he is. Um, I have a good excuse for knowing that one. That's purely because Jack used to do Hearts TV coverage with me and. It came up randomly once, and I, th- I think it was when he was playing Arbroath that he'd mention his his brother was he was checking the Arbroath ah. score or something. So it's not necessarily just one of these really sad ones that I have that I remember really pointless
1: It is, it is, but it, but it, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it because it's it's good. Yeah, Jack Hamilton's brother. There you go. Um, that was the last time he he ever appeared on a bench. Well, there um, you go. For, for Hearts. He well, did play in a friendly once. Did you know that?
0: I didn't, I didn't. But I, no, but no, I'm no. gonna I'm gonna skip over that because the game's only one one at this point in 2012. So, oh yes, yeah, um,
1: yeah. Still, yes, yes.
0: 19 minutes in, so six minutes after leveling, Stephen Thompson sends a looping header to make it two one. At that point, I mean, I was at this game, and I remember thinking at that point, I was like, Christ, this is, you know, this 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 game could really get away from us, down to ten men, two one down. But you've always got to factor in a certain thing at that point. And that is Rudy Scatchell. And in particular, Rudy Scatchell against St Mirren. Because by the end of his heart's career, Rudy, Rudy Skatchel would have ten goals in six games against St Mirren. Including two hat-tricks, both at Tynecastle. And this particular game would see the second of those hat-tricks. And if you look at the Tynecastle games, he would get nine goals in four games against St Mirren at Tynecastle. They hated playing against him. And... Sure enough, uh, four minutes after St Mirren, go ahead, despite being a man up, um, scatchel levels and it, it's it, it's scatchel all over. It, a lovely little lean into a Saints player, possibly a little foul, but he, he gets the, the rub of the green and 25, 30 yards from goal, turns one touch to turn towards goal after winning the ball and the second touch is an absolute rocket. It just flies into the top corner. Colin Samson and goal's absolutely no chance and um, it's just so scatchel uh, we'll go into a bit more because he scores two more goals we'll talk about him after that um, at this point in the game 2-2 and Paolo Sergio does a good job of restricting Saints with a man disadvantage no changes at half time and then 64 minutes come and uh, John Sutton in a, a rare um, performance under Paolo Sergio, uh, controls uh, a little knockdown at the edge of the box, it falls to Scatchel, who sends a lovely arrowed shot through a bunch of bodies into the bottom left corner. Didn't have the thunderous power of the first one, but so, so accurate, kissed off the post on the way in, and then four minutes later, shrugs off two challenges, and you could just you could just see him. He's only got one thought on his mind. Gets away from two challenges. He's, again, about 25 yards out, one glance up, smashes a drive, bottom right corner, keeper no chance. And it's one of these games, where it's, just, it's just classic scatchel. I don't think, and I, I, I don't think i mean over the top with this, not just Hearts, but in Scottish football, I'm not sure there's been a better finisher from, from range in terms of consistency, in terms of accuracy, in terms of power. You know, you can you can highlight many who've been good at it. You know, the, the Alberts had a lot of power, but a lot of his shots did not end up in the back of the net or needed five deflections. Always felt like, but Rudy Scatchell, incredible, and that game just summed up. You know, two goals from twenty five yards plus out without really thinking about it. How good was he? Just, just how good was that shooting ability? I mean, what what he didn't need, he didn't need pace. He didn't need. Um, particular skill he just had that wonderful shooting range he did
1: but he also had to have the opportunity Mm -hmm. and i'm Mm -hmm. not sure it would have worked if he didn't i mean the sum of the parts including rudy was was excellent during most of his spell with hearts because there were enough good players playing along alongside him to give him the opportunity to do what he was good at i remember the start of the 05 06 season and the games that started with kilmarnock away uh, and he scored, I think, in the first eight games. He was clinical. Yeah. He was clinical. And it what surprised me, Laurie, was that we are speaking earlier about Austin McPhee doing a recce on the opposition. Surely, surely you, you see him as the danger man and you, for at all costs, don't allow him to get the ball on his left foot. But he found a way. And he, he was a joy to watch in, in both of his spells.
0: He was. And, uh, he, you know, some people might say, well he could be a lazy B at times, and, and well, he, he, offed, was. he was. And he him, no, there's
1: no doubt about it. Yeah, he, he, he offed offed was a
0: lazy. But he did have this thing, and I was watching the highlights back earlier today. He did have this they did have this ability almost like a striker, a poacher who gets in those positions in the six yard to the ten yard mark of goal to tap in. That wasn't where he needed to be. He had this ability to hang around those areas 25 to 30 yards from goal. He kind of sensed where the, the ball might break or he might find a bit of room. He was kind of like a a 30-yard poacher. He hung around the zone that he knew if the ball came to him, he could have that chance and he only needed... A kind of half yard split. He only needed a bit. Of, didn't need much backlift. He just needed that little bit of room. And he kind of, you see him at times in that submitting game, he just hangs around off at the edge of the box thinking, I might get a knockdown. Um, or the, the first goal where he, he can see the defender might struggle to get the ball under control, so he might be able to rob him of the ball. So he's like, yeah, a 30 yard poacher, if that's such a thing.
1: <laughs> Clinical. But the technique. Oh the technique was outstanding. I mean sometimes there wasn't even much of a back lift and then there was an extra set missile.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. Super, super um and then we get there's it's four two hearts at this point, and you know, Saints are frustrated because they've they've had more of the ball in the game, but hearts have been clinical. Um, but we get this wonderful thing that you don't see enough of in football where Craig Samson inadvertently picks up a pass back about eight or nine yards from goal. So hearts have an indirect free kick in the box. You just don't see enough of those these days. Keepers need to pick up more back passes. Um, and <laughs> St Mirren have Craig Samson, the goalkeeper, and eight or nine, pretty much, they've got all, pretty much the entire team in the box and most of them on the line. Um, and at Hearts have got it set up with Ian Black facing slightly away from goal with Skatchel one side and and uh, Sutton the other. And I think Saints are focusing on scachel because they think the obvious thing is He's going to roll it to Scatchell, and we're going to get a left foot thunderbolt coming towards us. But he does not Black kind of feints to roll it. It causes a bit of confusion because the Saints players start to move out. And Black kind of says, oh, they're not their yards. And as they're moving around a little bit, he rolls it to Sutton, who then smashes the ball, boom, into the top right corner and makes it 5-2. It's just something. I love the chaos factor of an indirect free kick in the box because you know what's going to happen. You know they're going to have to roll it back to someone to take a shot. And it's just it's, all, it's almost like a 50-50. We've got so many players there, it might hit off one of us and go out. But if it goes through us or takes the wrong ricochet, it's going to go behind us and in. It's just chaos. It's like pinball.
1: Here's me going into my, my, my pedant role as a commentator who really should know the laws of the game. Um, indirect free kicks can be given for for. A few things inside Mm -hmm. the box, one one of which is dangerous play without contact. Did you know that? A high (sighs) boot in someone's face without touching, the contact equals a penalty. But no contact, yet dangerous play, equals an indirect free kick. Does
0: that that get adhered to?
1: (laughs) to... (laughs) There you go. Now that's another thing altogether. (laughs) I'm telling you the letter of the law. You're telling me when does it get adhered to... And when, the, when does it not? So if there is no contact, but there is dangerous play inside the box, then an indirect free kick can be awarded. So that's part one. Part two, I always wondered, this is one of my, I was never a bugbear, just, I, I wondered, when you've got an indirect free kick that's less than 10 yards from the goal, you therefore have everybody theoretically, they should be lined up on the goal line because you're less than 10 yards away and they can't be any further back. Yep. I, always, I always wondered, by taking a touch, you're allowing movement from the goal line, and that's closing it down even more. I just, I, I, don't, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. And it'd be interesting to see if anybody out there actually knows of any examples or they have seen it in games that they have attended. Or maybe you've commentated on, on, uh, on, on such a thing. Just smash the living shit out of that ball towards the goal. It is bound to hit someone. If it goes in, then it's unlikely without touching anybody. But it's bound to hit someone. And then if it's got enough power and enough force, by taking it straight away, you're not allowing any encroachment. And if you are, you just wait, like Ian Black you kind know, of sneakily did. But have you ever seen? than indirect free kick inside the box from within 10 yards with everyone on the goal line where the player taking it has just leathered it.
0: I don't think so. It's usually the typical, it's usually always the same routine, the knock back and
1: smash. Exactly, Uh, because you cannot score direct from an indirect free kick. But the point is you've got all these people and they'd have all 11 players back, right? Plus you've got your own players. It's just, it's, it's a congested area. So, And I know over here in the NFL, they have these kind of logistics and these analytics that say, well, if you're within a certain number of points, it's best to go for two points after a touchdown attempt rather than just one point. I wonder what the analytics would say for the chance that you have of finding the back of the net from inside 10 yards from an indirect free kick without a single player touching that ball. You'd have to be pinpoint accurate to do that. So why not just smash the hell out of it and hope it gets a deflection and ends up in the back of the net? Anyway, yeah. awesome I think Mc... too much a...
0: about things. Austin, you about now, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but John Sutton does very well. He actually finds the top right corner. Um, not a player that Paolo Sergio fancied. It was only his third goal that season. He'd be sent out on loan to Australia later that month. It was actually Weird his... Weird
1: player, wasn't he? Yeah. Because Motherwell got the best out of him. There was something there, but we just couldn't get it.
0: No, um, he scored against us. Obviously, funnily enough, when he always when he returned to Tyncastle Castle and Motherwell just wasn't fancied. It was a, a a Jim Jeffrey signing that Paolo Sergio just didn't fancy. His next opportunity would be under John McGlynn. Um, injury time, Rudy Scatchell comes off to a standing ovation from all stands to be replaced by Suso Santana. So, uh, interesting couple of things. Um, I mean, after that game, Hearts recent unbeaten run at that point had actually strangely coincided with the first team squad instructing the players union the pfa to make a formal complaint against um uh, because of three successive months of delayed wages uh they were actually still unpaid at that point and the next payday was due um the following week with potential san- sanctions pending so uh, we won't get into the the details of of how that all panned out and such but it's very interesting when you look at the fact that there was a, a solidarity about that team. I know they finished fifth in the league in the end and um, it was maybe uninspiring in that sense. Obviously, lifting the cup was a fantastic moment, but just to still be to performing and getting results after months of not being paid, it said a lot about a lot of those players. And in particular, I suppose, the likes of Zalukas, who we spoke about, who would be the leader of the dressing room. And we know that the likes of Black, you know, famously was... Doing a bit of work here and there, um yeah. <laughs> painting and decorating. So it says a lot about that team, I think. And I think it says a lot about Paolo Sergio as well. You know, for all people will criticize his overall league performance, which I understand away from home we struggled. Um but that is some difficult circumstances to work under.
1: I assume I know you listened to some of Cy Ferry's podcasts. Did you hear the one with Ian Black?
0: I did, I did.
1: And it's in, it's in, it's interesting when he talks about not being paid and how he had to say to his pal, "Can I help out? I need some I need some cash." And he, he was one of the more experienced I say experienced players. I mean, he was 26. He wasn't like Scott Robinson, who was 19. Or I mean, it, it was more of an experienced squad. But when you when you hear what they got up to and how they they put like I was it a penny or a pound one week in the bank account. And that meant they paid some of their wages. So they, they weren't liable for, for the players um, up, upping sticks and, and, and leaving. That must've been so hard because you live within your means. If you have a salary of X, you spend based on how much salary you, you have. You don't overspend or you shouldn't, uh, or you go into administration, um, but you, you live within your means. That, yeah. that was so, so tough for them that year. And and that was the season just a few weeks later. Uh, a couple of weeks later, they played St. Johnston in the Cup, but it was the really late penalty decision, and better Hearts teams have not got as far no. than that Hearts team did in the Scottish Cup.
0: No, and it says a lot about them. It was um, a great season in many ways, a, a difficult season in many other ways, and that game was, I guess, one of the memorable ones, and it came up for our maroon memories, because the scoreline was, of course, the exact same against the same team the Hearts played at the weekend. So, I've enjoyed doing that. Hopefully, you've enjoyed listening to our little bit of reminiscing. We'll, we'll we'll throw some more out there. Maybe not every week, but we'll we'll do some. And if you have any suggestions, whether it's as I mentioned before, it can be a player, it could be a season, it could be an individual match, even maybe a runner matches or an ex-manager, something that will fit into maroon memories and we can look back on and we can discuss. Then that's exactly what we're looking for. So, um, yeah, Heart of Midlothian five submitting to twice this podcast before i go into the next section mark mark i was just going to mention you you spoke about ian black there's I, I i will actually potentially be seeing ian black play on saturday where's he now he's at Trinent juniors ah okay uh who are away to dunbar united and local derby yeah, and since uh, there's obviously no meaningful football because it's international weekend, I'm going with a couple of others because it's only I think it's only about ten fifteen minute train journey from me in Musselburgh to go along to Dunbar. Never went to see a football game there, so yeah, Dunbar United against Trenent Juniors. So there you go.
1: Speaking, speaking of not that level, but I think uh, my team Pennycook Athletic are a bit ahead of that, but they used to play both teams um, in the East Region. Leagues, Super League or or whatever. Pennycook have just asked for more tickets and have been granted more tickets for their Scottish Cup third round tie away to Partick Thistle. So there will now be um, nearly 1,500 um, Pennycook Athletic fans. Now, I was doing my sums here. The population is about 30,000. So that's kind of... So, so, so maybe 5% of the town... Um, have the uh, opportunity now to be burgled while they're while they're <laughs> away, while they're away from no but, seriously that that's fantastic fifteen hundred pennycook athletic fans
0: yeah I mean um, it's turn,
1: turn up, it's a
0: thirty thousand town but it's a town which will be full of hearts hibs celtic rangers fans so it's massively you know, massively so.
1: and we all we all have our our kind of we're supporters of hearts and of hibs and pennycook um, and well done. Uh, well done to them. By the way, can I can I give you a quiz based on your on our maroon memories this week? Um, sure. Yeah, why not? Just you know, we don't we don't chat that much about what's in the show. It's just it's just off the cuff. We like our tangents and whatever. And I don't know the answer to this, but it'll be interesting if if you either know the answer or or if it has happened. So Saturday, 14th of January, 2012. Hearts uh-huh. five, St Maroon two. Yep. You mentioned Zalukas got sent off. Since that game, have Hearts ever been behind okay. with 10 oh, men oh. and gone on to win the game? Because <sighs> when Zalukas got sent off, McGowan scored the penalty, Stephen Thompson then put St. Mirren ahead. Yep. So the 10 men of Hearts were down 2-1 and won. I can't think,
0: off the top Ooh. of my head
1: have hearts won a game from behind with 10 men since that's a good quiz question
0: that's a very good question um off the top of my head I uh, can't think of one I, I you know it's one that you could obviously you'll probably find out in five or ten minutes but yeah
1: it's, I'm thinking this we'd have to be playing a like a, a lesser team in a scottish cup or or whatever and and maybe that's happened I just can't, I
0: can't it's been it's be, of, it's, it's the being behind as well you know yeah I'm, that's the key Winning with 10 men is one thing, but actually being behind and down to mm-hmm. 10. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you can talk about playing a lesser side, but finding an instance where we're down to 10 and they were in front. Um, yep. yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, It'll
1: be interesting if that if that was, and it, there's a good chance it could be, because I think that kind of thing is rare. Um, that could be the last time, seven and a half years ago, that Hearts were behind in a game with 10 men and came back to win. OK, well, we'll find that's out.
0: Your, that's your homework for next week. It's my homework. I'll find out. Um, it's And, uh, yeah, anyway, otherwise we'd sit here for the next couple of minutes. I know. On, Let's on, not do that. But on Google, that's your so.
1: personal, you've got personal homework now.
0: Thank yeah. you. I, 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 I really need some homework. I've not no. got enough to do with my time. Um, OK, so before we go, a couple of weeks ago, we did put out the question of um, your favourite non-football sporting events, still don't know why, um, that you've attended. <laughs> Um, and, you know, since people took the time to message me, I want to go back and go through them because our our, our attention was uh, moved slightly because Craig Levine was taken out of his position and we, we just had to focus on other things. So apologies, it's been delayed, but I want to go through these. And I'm basically reading a lot of these out because people have been sending in with little weird brown oval shaped emojis as you know, the balls. For I don't even really know what sports these things are, so I'll, I'll read Stop them Stop being a philistine. Um, Fox for Oscar says uh, New York Knicks at Madison Square Gardens a meaningless game at the end of the season home fans were booing their own and they scraped to win against a lower team hashtag sound familiar great experience though Madison Square Gardens I- I've heard the of the Mecca the Mecca uh, let's see what else we got. Pi 4 says: While on holiday in Orlando a few years ago, I finally fulfilled a dream and managed to get to a real NFL game. We drove up to Jacksonville to see the Jags play, although they lost, and we didn't get to go into the stadium swimming pool to watch the game. Okay, um, <laughs> I don't get that. Do I? Do you get that reference? I don't know. I, I don't anything about NFL. That's the that's the American rugby, isn't it? <laughs> the, the,
1: there's a little pool. It's like a, the Arizona Diamondbacks have like a jacuzzi in center field. You can buy tickets
0: right, for that
1: okay, area. Okay. So, so they have a little they have a little pool where it's Jacksonville. It's going to be warm most of the time. Not a bad way to watch a game.
0: Well, odd shaped balls. Uh... Came in and said, "I also went to Jacksonville to watch a turgid game of men covered in padding, stop every ten seconds." That's yeah, that's the that's what I would have said. Um, but he said at least my son was happy, and the cheerleaders were decent and odd shape balls sent uh, a picture of himself, um, and uh, I don't think you mind me saying that he is the maybe the 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 least appealing of the four individuals that he sent in the photo. The other three are scantily dressed cheerleaders. Um, which you don't tend to see very often in Scottish football these days, do you? Can, can, can you
1: imagine it's it's like thirty degrees. Aberdeen in used to have them. Aberdeen did, used to have them. But I don't care who they are, they still dressed up warmly when it was this isn't Newcastle away from home where the boys take their tops off. Cold's cold.
0: Cheerleaders in, in Scottish football, you think they, think that there could be a place for them at some point?
1: Kilmarnock had them.
0: It yeah, may still I mean have they, them yeah, young, young, yeah young,
1: younger girls who um were like local dancers or or, or gymnasts yeah i mean fine yeah. it's, it's, you can't just take something from from you can do it with certain things but it's it's very difficult now to introduce certain things without
0: mocking yeah i i would probably mock it so um yeah many others would as well we're scottish it's what we do um Stevie Morris says watching big Pappy's last game for the boston oh, Red, Red sox, sox. Yep. Yep. who's who's big pappy
1: david ortiz ah. david ortiz so we, we're, when we're doing the world this will mean nothing to you that might mean something to somebody
0: uh, <laughs> well, so're so.
1: We're, we're, we're doing the world series So we're traveling between Houston and Washington and we're staying obviously in in hotels not too far from from stadiums and uh Frank thomas. Big lad was sat beside us at the bar, um, and he was like 1:30, been one of the games. So we just we're we're having a kind of just a a post drink or post game drink, Uh, and he ordered like nachos, fully fully covered in whatever. Uh, Big David Ortiz was there as well. A lot lot of kind of because they they travel as well and. It's it's a lifestyle it's it's great for all the people that got in touch with us. They've they've got memories and they were at different games and you're a Philistine, so I'm not including you in this. <laughs> but I think I think it's it's interesting to, to dip in and out of and just, I just I know Lawrence Brody and, and Alan Burrows is as well, very intrigued by the football over here. Uh and how the certainly from Alan's perspective, he's the he's the CEO now, I think, at Motherwell. Uh, he's always he's he's big into major league soccer in the way that trying to incorporate certain things that are done over here and how he could use them to make Motherwell a better game day experience. And, and Lawrence, Lawrence is the same. He obviously was at Hearts and has now got his, yep. his own PR firm. Um, very, very forward thinking, the pair of them, about what, not taking something and just implementing it directly, but tweaking it so that the match day experience... For fans who go along to Tynecastle or to Fur Park or, or whatever, it's not just show up at five to three after a couple of pints at Diggers and then piss off again at five o'clock. It, oh, it, that it's, sounds great. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and then you've got the two hours in between that are just turgid. Um, but yeah, there's there's things that we can learn um, from from different leagues in different countries and different sports.
0: Lawrence Brody actually messaged us and said, "Oh, there um, you go." This was it was two weeks ago when he originally put this out. So he said, um, "At the time, I'm off to South Africa next week um, for the second successive year. I'll be at Newlands for some Z- Manzi Super League action." This is, he could have been speaking a different language to me, involving Cape Town Blitz. He said he saw A. B. De Villiers last year. Devilliers. Vill- or do they just read it out as De Villiers is he? Not said. not
1: not Ronald Villiers from, from Remember him? From Winnicum <laughs> and Pump. <laughs> oh,
0: for Christ's sake. We're not going to that tangent. Um he said last year for the first and likely only time was majestic. PS It's that serious it's that serious that that Southern Hemisphere is needed. Uh, this, this, this is cricket, right? Grumpy. Rugby. Rugby, cricket,
1: right? cricket. They play rugby at Newlands. This is clearly something that wasn't thought through when I gave homework. That I had a question master well, or a yeah, quiz master. You,
0: you, you, you bloody put it out there.
1: Yeah. Well, they play the rugby there. The Stormers play there. Do they play cricket there as well?
0: So who oh. are Cape Town Blitz?
1: Cape Town Blitz. Let's have a look. Cape Town The cricket. they cricket. Okay. Fine. You must play cricket there. Over. There you go.
0: This I didn't is a, know this, that I knew, play, this, I knew this I knew this question play, was going to end they badly. play
1: at Newland's cricket ground if you bloody told me it was the cricket ground I could have told you they were cricket you're not going to play rugby on a cricket pitch are you no
0: well obviously even I know that right they've anyway. got
1: a player seriously they have a player <laughs> called De Cock.
0: that's you that is <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say what was popped in my head there um, Jamie Devlin I'm changing the subject quickly says for me okay. it's the British Speedway Grand Prix in Cardiff the atmosphere... Scotty,
1: Scotty Wilson goes to that every year.
0: He does. He said, I do, I, do, do you know, what? I have some appreciation from Scott Wilson at the weekend. You know, I buy my Armani our, our aftershave and I put it on, you know, every morning. Don't get any comments. Went to, chatting to Scott before the St Mirren game and goes, you smell lovely. What is that you're wearing? And I said, thank you, Scott. It's Armani. I'm glad that someone noticed, although you maybe weren't my target audience, for using this so so there you my, go my, he, my he appreciates it, a nice cologne
1: yeah well that, so on that tangent <laughs> and, and i i i do not like what my mother said here but i wish to to make reference to it back in the day when i was putting on cologne aftershave eau de toilette eau de parfum whatever it was <laughs> and a little scoosh here and a little scoosh there before you get to the front door mum's usually in the kitchen bloody hell, you smell like a poof's parlor. I was like, mum, you <laughs> I can't say, say that. that. No.
0: That's Deary terrible. Dearie
1: me. Awful. We're we're all inclusive. We are, you and me now, but back in the day, there were certain things that were said. It was just like, come on now, that's that's not right.
0: Yeah, I, I know what it's like. I've got a grandfather who's, who's now over 90 and sometimes says things that, I guess, 60, 70 years ago would just be a... It's, an acceptable it's funny racism, comment, but but yes. The, the, yeah,
1: uh, through through kind of, it's always been this way. And interestingly enough, you'll be getting, I think, in March, uh, available to consumers in the UK. But Disney Plus just launched here yesterday, and it's already done 10 million subscribers, which is incredible. But back in the 40s and 50s, so they basically put the entire Disney back catalogue and made it available to Disney Plus subscribers, but they had to go through a lot of the movies in the early the early doors, Lady and the Tramp, and a few others, because a lot of them had racist parts mm, of them. Yeah, they were acceptable back then, um, but but that was when you were gay back then, you were happy. Yeah, things things have changed.
0: Indeed. Well, we'll move on because you know, as tangents go, that one would be opening up a, a large can of worms.
1: <laughs> in, um, in, in, indeed. Yes.
0: Uh, Kenny Bell says, I enjoy watching college football on the telly in the USA. Uh, having lived in Alabama in the past, I support Alabama. Oh, now we're
1: talking, yeah.
0: Luckily, uh, they are one of the best teams in the current time, uh, giving me some respite after enduring the Hearts games during the last few seasons.
1: Well, it's funny that, Ken, that Ken, you've read it out from, and I know Kenny's probably sent it before uh, within the last couple of weeks. Uh, the tables have turned while Hearts have been poor. Um, they won at the weekend, and Alabama lost to oh, LSU. Okay. But that, the, the 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 numbers, and I didn't realise until I came over here. Now, obviously, Kenny stayed in Alabama um, for a spell. And unless you actually come over here or have lived over here, you don't realise. And I know it's available on BT Sport, uh, most of the bigger games that ESPN and Fox and CBS ca- carry. Um, but it's it's absolutely massive. And the money that, that is going round for TV rights is, is absolutely huge. Bama, though, they lost uh, against LSU mm. at the weekend. So And Hearts won. So maybe it's timely that we read that out from Kenny uh, today. Tables have turned.
0: Uh, and Pringle also likes to watch the NFL on the Sundays. Uh, was lucky enough to go to... Met life last year in New mm-hmm. York. See the Jets versus the Dolphins. He says, so? One of the things he says was that really good day out, entertaining game, atmosphere, pre match atmosphere, very, very well run stadiums. Scottish football could learn a lot from these events. But are we just not a bunch of miserable bastards that just want well, to think, uh...
1: think, think, No, but think about it. It's different over here. You go tailgating, right? You get absolutely smashed. <laughs> before the game in the car park, and you mingle with the wave fans because there's not too many. I can't imagine a tailgate on McLeod Street prior to an <laughs> no. Edinburgh Derby. imagine because- there'd be a lot of arrests. <laughs> oh,
0: Jesus. There'd
1: be nobody at the stadium. Everyone would be in jail. Um, it's just, it's different. It's different. Uh, wh- while I'm on a kind of Magnus magnuson esque um, let's drop you homework and give you quizzes. Who is the, or sorry, which is the only NFL team... In New York. There you go. What's the answer? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know?
0: Why would I know that? You should.
1: Why should I know that? Okay. Is it A, the New York Giants, B, the New York Jets, or C, the Buffalo Bills?
0: Well, I'm going to say the Jets because someone just mentioned the fact that they went to see the Jets, and I think they were talking about NFL.
1: Okay, they were. And that's wrong. So, wrong. The answer is Buffalo Bills. Okay. Be- just at least pretend you're interested. Come on. <laughs> the, bu- the Buffalo Bills...
0: I'm editing this part the- out. Just...
1: No, you're not. The Buffalo B- <laughs> I want I want this in. The Buffalo Bills are from Buffalo, upstate New York.
0: They are okay. the only
1: team who play in New York New mm. York Jets and New. Don't go mm, like. You, <laughs> stop this. The New York it's Jets just... and the. Stop it.
0: <laughs> with the Mrs. telling a story. Yeah. Mm, mm,
1: yeah. The New York Jets and the New York Giants both play at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. It's oh, over wow. the water. So the- wow, he says, <laughs> you are such a facetious fuck.
0: <laughs> right. I'm gonna look for ones that aren't NFL. And um, Lynn says, I was at the curling. At the Winter Olympics, um, GB played USA, was standing next to Americans who thought I was cheating for them, it gave me a USA flag, I then proceeded to go mental, when TB, Team GB won on the final stone, their faces, um, with lots of emojis after that, so, uh, curling, um,
1: yeah, Rona was excellent when she did it, yeah, b- Brett's were good, most of them were Scottish, but yeah, you need to broaden your horizons, son. Yeah, probably. Your 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 life <laughs> is between Mussobar and Tyne Castle and back and then on a way trip to to whatever. There's uh, another life outside of Mussobar, yeah. pal.
0: Yeah. I'm I'll, I'll be in Rome in January in the Curva Sud watching Roma play Juventus. If it's football, I'll, I will broaden my football horizons to 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 wherever.
1: Let uh, me give you a Rome a quick Rome story because I oh, know this bit's out lied, yeah. Out.
0: Okay, yeah. It's okay.
1: not. I'll leave it. in. <laughs> Friend of mine uh, a few weeks ago, she's like, "I'm going to Rome." I was like, "Great!" I said, "I'll have a look see if there's any games on." So I said, "Let's go against Lecce is on." Oh, cool, nice. So time went by. So she messaged me um, from from Rome on on Saturday night, and she said, "Got my tickets." I'm like, "Great!" Um, I hope you enjoy it. She goes, "I can't wait to see Parma Roma." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, what now?" Oh uh, no. <laughs> she goes, "Parma against Roma." I've got my tickets. Uh, I said, Why have you bought tickets for them? That's at the NEO Tardini in Parma. Oh, she no. goes, because in America, the the, the, uh, the home teams always always second. Yeah. And that's from uh, that's from baseball back in the day. I was like, oh my god. I said good. So I sent her a screenshot and she was she was um jet lagged or whatever. I sent her a screenshot of the conversation that we'd had, and she's like, Oh god, I've been so daft. I've been so dumb, I can't believe it. And then I sent her this screenshot, she's like, You don't need to rub it in. I'm like, Alright, alright, just calm, love, calm so she'd spent 80 quid on a ticket um, and she was able ultimately she was able to exchange it she did get her money back for that she then got a ticket for lazio lecce it finished 4-2 and mm, there was a lot yep. going on but her her um, whole thought process was and it was she was jet lagged and whatever because in america most of yeah. the time in other sports it's x at y she thought it was parma at roma and bought tickets for that yeah, instead
0: of Lazio Lecce. That in itself is stupid. So, I mean, <laughs> just, why, why would the home team not be first? They're the hosts. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, Stuart White says the Ryder Cup in 2012 uh, at Miracle at Medina. Watch Fridays Medina. at Medina. I don't know what. Jesus God. See what see what you make me do. Try and work at all these other sports. I'm Weird. trying to
1: broaden your horizon.
0: Watched Friday and Saturday in the pub in Chicago. Decided that I wasn't going to watch USA. Cheer. Mate who bought a ticket on the black market at high price told me we were going. So glad I listened to him. So,
1: I would have loved to have done that. that. That that sounded fun. And the other thing I wish I was at, Glen Eagles 2014. That would have been special. To to win it there in Scotland. Um, I watched from afar. Is that,
0: but... Ross Anderson says, Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles. Best sporting event I've ever been to. Is yeah. that a that yeah. yeah. yeah, Exactly. Exactly That's... the same. Um just that's the wee honestly. tiny the, the wee tiny balls, isn't it the wee tiny, yeah, oh my God, it's like, I, know, a... I know how golf works, don't worry, I just don't watch it, but do you though, no, I don't
1: watch St Saint, Saint Andrew? no, it's St Andrews,
0: Oh, fuck off, um, <laughs> j T Lynn says does soccer count it does because I know what that sport is, um, I was finally able to get to see my local um in speech marks, local MLS site 110 miles away by car this year, and it was awesome. Otherwise, I was uh, present for the LA Dodgers versus Seattle Mariners um, MLB game that ended with a walk-off uh, last year. Um, well, what's a walk-off, Laurie? I knew you were going to say that. I, I, did, could you tell the regret of my name when I kept reading that sentence? <laughs> I and mean, I didn't. I,
1: what's a walk-off, Laurie?
0: I'm not going to say what it sounds like. Just tell me.
1: A walk-off is when it's the last hit of the game and it wins the game, whether it's a walk-off, single, double,
0: triple, home run. Oh, okay. or, or whatever This is that, this is the round, home this home round. Rounders MLB, isn't it? So they play hit the ball run. run. <laughs> is just, this a Hearts podcast? we are just alienated all of our... I'm never, I'm never asking a question
1: like this again. I need to find out what you don't know about and then I'll just
0: stray way clear from it. Well, there's a lot of things, so you've you've got a lot of things to, to, to stray clear of. Oh, uh, here we Jesus. go, grumpy dad. Here we go. This could have been me. Grumpy That's dad huge. just says, "There are other sports?" Question mark. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Grumpy dad. I can't. I'm not a grumpy. Am I a grumpy dad? No, cause, cause you you're a grumpy dad. You're the dad here.
1: I'm not grumpy today. I'm in a positive mood, or I wasn't yeah. until I started this thing and heard you talking BS.
0: Okay. Well, we've 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 waffled on. About other we sports
1: just sports. where are we at today my goodness normally i can get to work and back and then that's the that's the <laughs> podcast done sheesh man this is this is a long yes. where are we at I one don't... hour 15 minutes come oh. on son
0: right okay we're we'll it up um <clears throat> so we're not going to speak about felix felix magat or steve Cotterall or managers because we're... just google
1: magat and the guardian article and how he thought cheese could help <laughs> someone's injury. And he hopeless. had them running around oh yeah, Malifayev, Romanov, um, Steve Cotterell. I said to Burley today at work, said what, Steve Cotterell, any experience? Ah, busy bastard. I said, What? Is <laughs> that I just I said elaborate? He goes, No, busy. Busy. So you take it out, whatever you want. There you go. Right. Don't know who but- it's gonna be. I trust I trust them to make the right decision. There you go.
0: Okay. What a before, random we go, show. before we go, are we going to put more homework out there? Please don't make oh, it it's... non-football related.
1: Why don't we start trying to get some maroon memories in so we can, we're not going to do it, I don't think, as a weekly thing, unless they, they come in in their droves, but why, why don't we start collating them from our wonderful listeners, mm-hmm. who, if you're still with us after an hour and 17 minutes, deserve a medal having listened to some of this pish.
0: Well, yeah. I'm not taking the blame for raising this one. Um, so, okay, that, that's fine. Yeah, we we won't necessarily read through them next time, but if you want to message us with your ideas and suggestions for Maroon Memories, which we will do um, on a, a regular basis. Um, as Mark says, not necessarily every week. It depends on what other items we have to cover. Um, but, yeah, thanks for tuning in to the um, 55th episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. It's been a a mixed one. It's been interesting. Um, well done. Congratulations. Well, well done. To You've, who? To them. You've made it to the end. Not to you. Bloody Probably congratulations impression.
1: tomorrow morning if I make it in time to do Turkey against Iceland as an American citizen.
0: And you're going to... Do you have to like sing the national anthem or anything? Or? No,
1: I've got to pledge allegiance. Though. <laughs>
0: okay,
1: I wonder if you can do it. I'm not going to wear a kilt. I thought about that. But I'm not going <laughs> to...
0: The Americans love singing the national anthem. I thought they would do it at this event. Like, everyone's going to. I don't
1: know. I don't think so, but they do it prior to every sporting
0: event. If Dunbar United against
1: (laughs) against (laughs) Trinette
0: Juniors was in America, we'd be doing the national anthem with like a
1: hundred people. You'd be respecting it, bitch.
0: What a nonsense. Imagine imagine on Saturday we're at Dunbar United and they started <laughs> saying flowers I was gonna say that we had to play Flower of Scotland. Just just anyway. On that note, um we'll see you next time. I'll let you know how it goes and how Ian Black's doing. Probably as popular as ever, I imagine. Right, I'm going. Indeed. I need another drink. Love you. Love you. Love you too, bye. Oh, see,
1: can you see?